Today's episode of Dungeon Crawlers Radio is brought to you by Gamers Inn, your one-stop location for all your gaming needs. Located in Lehigh City, Utah, their fun and friendly staff will be more than happy to answer any of your gaming needs. Just remember, Gamers Inn, it's where adventures begin. Broadcasting live from the DCR studio. Oh, yeah! The Geek Revolution starts here. Excellent! Get ready for the number one hit geek radio show out there. Well, it is impressive, isn't it? Because it's time for Dungeon Crawlers Radio. Welcome to another episode of Dungeon Crawlers, where we have author Robin Bennett talking about her new book, The Guns Above, which is... I love the title. Love the title. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the first of, I don't know, Robin, how many Signal Starship series books do you plan on writing? Signal Airship? Come on. Oh, Airship. I can't believe it. Starship? Wow, this is a completely different storyline now. Looking at my notes, I wrote Start. <laughs> so I don't know how I messed that one up. So I, I'm going to take my business to a competing podcast. Oh no! But You're I hundred percent. I read the Wes is so excited about this interview after reading it. He has three pages of notes about this. So this is why it's such a big deal. Well, yeah. he, he just gave her like a, a spinoff series. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and an alternate universe. Dot dot dot. Um, no, I loved this. I read the two tease chapters they've got up online on Torforge uh, blog, and it's it's fun. I mean, your female character is very well written, very established. I love how you introduce the characters in the storyline without really even introducing them or quote unquote shoving them down people's throat. I love that juxtaposition and the the whole steampunk twist. Just wow! I just I can't say enough about this. I, I'm 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 loving this. I can't wait to read more. I've always been a big fan of steampunk, and I, I drew a lot of, uh, you know, my inspiration from the Aubrey Maturin series, which, uh, if you've ever read that, you'll recognize a lot of it in the book. Um, it's just an incredible series by Patrick O'Brien, and, you know, I stole all my best stuff from him, that's <laughs> all I can say. Don't worry, uh, recording is not admissible in court. Yeah. Well, I mean, every, everything is kind of stolen, you know, nowadays. You, you know, you look at fantasy novels and you can say, oh, that's a little bit of Tolkien, that's a little bit of, you know, that Star guy. Wars, you, know. you can say yeah. the same about Hollywood. There's no original stories. I mean, the original stories are Shakespeare and they're all just kind of retold. Yeah. Even Shakespeare drew yeah. most of his ideas from previous works. Yeah. Well, how many stories did Shakespeare say? There's only like... There's, or there's 32 stories. 12 stories, yeah, 13 stories. And they're all and, rehashed of each other. Yeah. But, um, so let me ask you, uh, Josette, is it Dupree? Uh, I've been pronouncing it Dupre, but Dupre? You know, that's something. Okay. Dupre. Dupre. Okay. Um, so she's, she's our female, uh, protagonist, very strong character, 
After a bunch of incidences, she becomes a starship cap or airship, airship oh, captain. Damn. I'm not doing this on purpose. I Wes, swear. Maybe, maybe we should let Robin explain it. Robin, <laughs> well, could if you? If you do that one more time, you're gonna have to light yourself on fire. Gladly, <laughs> gladly. I love the fact that she's fighting back. <laughs> this show just got hot. <laughs> I'm a scrapper. It's getting real. So, um. Uh, she she's our main character, and she's just been thrust into this position of airship captain. Of airship captain, um, tell us what what really like. Where did you get your inspiration for Josette? Is it you know just the thought of you know a female lead, or was there something that just spoke to you about this character that just made you go against the, I guess the military norm of females in power. Well, when I originally conceived uh, the book, and this was many, many years ago, uh, I didn't have any idea of the gender of any of the characters. Um, I had, you know, some archetypes in mind, and I had personality traits in mind, uh, but they didn't really coalesce uh, into their present forms until a few months before I started writing. And as I began to, you know, get closer to the point where I would actually start that first line, as I imagined uh, the character that would become Josette in these various situations that I had uh, dreamed up, uh, it just kind of coalesced. It just seemed natural. Uh, She is... Uh, she's always wanted this position, uh, but she doesn't want it the way she gets it. She's uh, stuck in the middle of a political fight, uh, as well as a fight with the enemy. And it puts her in a very uncomfortable situation, possibly a deadly situation, uh, because some of her superiors are willing, if not to kill, then at least to um, allow her to die by negligence, uh, just to get rid of her, because she's kind of inconvenient to them. So it added an extra layer of personal conflict to the explosions and gunshots uh, sort of conflict, and it just seemed like a natural fit for the type of story I wanted to tell. It sounds... I, I'm loving that, actually. <laughs> I really am. Um, the, the next question I have is really just kind of for anybody who may have read the, the first couple of uh, chapters or anything... What was the the push, I guess, to make it so women were never allowed, not just by the unspoken rule, but actually by their auxiliary station, uh-huh. basically physically have like that glass ceiling. It's like you can be auxiliary and you can be, you know, first mate and you can, you know, sort of take care of the ship when it's nice out. Was there a reason that you wanted to put that actual hard line there for the hard break, or was it just, you know, what was what was the push behind that? I drew most of that from uh, actual history, and, you know, if you look at uh, the history of women in military service, uh, women, uh, as far back as we have uh, good records, you find examples of women who are sneaking into military service or finding ways uh, to serve their countries, uh, even if they're not allowed. And it tends to follow a certain hierarchy of desperation uh, until fairly recently. Uh, so you will find, you know, women being drawn into combat in situations where men are not available or where trained men are not available. 
you see in Russian, the Second World War, uh, despite having uh, a lot of population, uh, for some reason, Ivan was kind of short on soldiers, and so women were recruited in that. Uh, at for, and it followed much the same pattern as it does in the book. At first, they were meant to be uh, mainly a PR stunt, and in you know, what are essentially auxiliary positions or what are considered auxiliary positions, medics and engineers and, and such like that. Uh, but as time went by and as the Russian situation got more desperate, uh, women were employed as snipers and fighter pilots and sometimes even infantry and uh, tank commanders. Wow. Hmm. Did not know all that history. Thanks. <laughs> I, I had a question for you. You know, with steampunk, you see a, a very... A lot of different types of airships. You know, you see the kind of traditional pirate ship-looking thing with propellers and stuff like that, or the pirate ship with a balloon. But you went with a zeppelin. Why did you go that route for the uh, the for the minstrel? Uh, for the mistral. Mistral. Okay. See, it's you not guys, just me. You guys are just really ranking hey, this thing okay. up, aren't but you? But at least I said airship. <laughs> <laughs> So the Mistral, the Mistral. airship, airship. I, yes. I'm sorry. I, I was looking to the right while Scott was moving away. Um, <laughs> I was holding it to you. Anyway. <laughs> I so, love how this is developing. I think I might destroy your podcast uh, by infighting. You know what? And I, she's going to go know, home. She's going to finish after that. this, and she's going to start writing a short story, The Death of a Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> she's not like you, Daniel. You know, so what? Oh, so what was it that 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 pushed you to the Zeppelin? And you know, my fingers are crossed, and the hope in the back of my mind that it was a famous band. I'm just saying. <laughs> it doesn't say it was lead. Oh, if I had time enough to come up with a good story, I would totally say it was. <laughs> <laughs> For your that next is interview. Wonderful. Uh, the next time you interview me, it's going to be based on a famous band. Awesome. Uh, it's going to be in- inspired by Led Zeppelin, but this time. Uh, it evolved uh, out of my almost obsessive need to approximate real-world physics and, uh, and engineering. I had started off with more of the traditional steampunk idea of, you know, essentially a, a ship you know, a wooden ship of the type that you could, you might see, you know, plying the ocean with yeah. a balloon mm-hmm. above it. Yeah. And just over time, as I looked at my ideas, as I looked at my designs, it just kind of gradually got more and more realistic. And I always kept that uh, kind of old timey element to it. There are a couple of references, uh, for example, uh, that show that these ships are made out of wood. Uh, which yeah. uh, no Zeppelin was ever made out of wood, but there was a competing company called, and I'm sure I'm going to butcher this German pronunciation, but it's okay. We're very forgiving on this podcast, apparently. Yeah, we're very good at <laughs> forgiving butchering things. So we're going to we're going to share the blame for this. <laughs> the Schutlangs company, and early on, uh, I believe the early 1900s, they were making. Zeppelin-style airships out of wood. Uh, They made them out of aspen wood. And they sort of worked, uh, which amazed me. And as soon as I learned that, I knew that my airship was going to be along that model and made out of wood. 
if it means anything, I just want to jump in and say thank you. Like, I love this real-world kind of feel. Like, I love the, the you know, the aesthetics of a ship yeah. with a propeller. But this, like, I see that Zeppelin. I just, it pulls me right into, oh, wow, this is, like, theoretically could happen kind of thing. Like, and it's, it's, it's very the, believable. It's the ultimate juxtaposition of the idea of steampunk, but not necessarily super fantasiful. Fan, fantasy uh-huh. steampunk. Well, even like their guns that you see on the cover, they're not like with little light bulbs like you would traditionally see yeah. in steampunk. You see classic muskets. It's yeah. it's that old cool flintlock. Yeah, flintlock, flintlock yeah. style. Now, um, I, I have to ask. Oh, I did a little research. Um, Notice you did to keep that military feel to the book. You did a lot of research towards this. Can you talk about how much military research went into this? Well, the first thing I did is I tried to build my own airship and go out and kill people. Um, <laughs> it turns out you're not allowed to do that in, in Mountain View, though. There's a city ordinance against it. Specifically or generally? Uh, well, I mean, Stop laughing. I'm, this is a serious question. <laughs> I need to know this information, Daniel. I'm dying over here. It's general. It just says. That was the best answer ever. It just says from any flying above the surface apparatus, could projectiles be thrown towards the ground? Oh, you studied law enforcement. (laughs) Oh Oh, man. Oh, that hurts so much. See, Scott's wondering because he's afraid he's going to die next. I've planned how Wes could kill me 22 times. She Uh, forgot her answer. uh, The the military research. Could you talk to us about that? Um, So let's see. Uh, I drew a lot on the stories my grandfather used to tell. He was in the Air Force. Uh, He was stationed in Germany uh, in the 50s and in Vietnam during the war there. Uh, he was, in fact, if you've ever seen the movie Air America, which I think... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Mel Gibson. Unfortunately, stars Mel Gibson. Yeah. And uh, Robbie D- Robert, Robert Downey, Downey Jr. Jr. Yes. Before he was Iron Man. <laughs> um, my grandfather did that. Uh, oh, wow. He was in the back of cargo planes dropping weapons uh, to people in Laos and Cambodia, I believe. The CIA and front. He just has all these crazy stories about just the crazy shit that they got up to. Am I allowed to say crazy You're shit good. on this podcast? You, you just said it twice, oh, yeah. so we're good. <laughs> <laughs> we used to have R2 that would come in and, you know, but no, no, no. Oh, that's yeah. the wrong sound. Yeah, yeah. no, it's catcall R2. Catcall R2, airship, starship. Yeah, we're just, we're all over the place today. <laughs> we are. But, so that was really the foundation. Um in fact, some of the cool stuff, I will leave it to readers to guess, uh, but some of the more absurd and unlikely occurrences in the book are based loosely around things that actually happen. And in some cases, I had to tone them down so that they would be believable. God, and that's from there, awesome. I, <laughs> I know, right? I had to make it less amazing so that people would believe me. Yeah, and of course, I mean, we're talking about a horrific, you know, essential, essentially, you know, the American government meddling in the affairs of four. Yeah. Oh, oh no! What but, you know, you gotta laugh. Yeah. Oh yeah. So you dedicated the the book, um, Master Sergeant U.S. Air Force Philip Bendis. That was your grandfather. 
it's my grandfather. Yeah, it was my grandfather. Yeah. Yeah, amazing. I mean, Master Sergeant, first off, for people who don't know, in the U.S. Air Force is a huge honor. So. Yeah. I mean, if he I can... Was, uh, yeah, he was career. He was in there for about 30 years. That is amazing. And that's why I think part of this book speaks to me is it's very... You did a really great job on the realism from the military standpoint and, like, the reason we love the, the Zeppelin and all that goes into that. Um, now, I'm going to change gears for half a second if you'll let me, no pun intended. Um, so, airship. yeah, air, airship, airship. Um, Talk to me about what is, and I use that term purposefully, Lord Burnett. Oh, dear. Oh, he is. If, if you don't want to answer for spoilers purposes, you can always just say, spoilers. He's this, for people who don't know, is just a hilarious character from when I can garner. So if you could tell us what inspired him and who so, he is. Wow. Burnett is just... I have an unhealthy love for Burnett. I enjoyed writing him way too much, way more than is healthy. Um, and he is just the biggest sexist dirtbag in the entire cast. I mean, there are there are worse misogynists, but there's no one that really digs the knife in and twist it, twists it the way Burnett does. Oh, and I love him so much. Um, a lot of his uh, most sexist moments are, in fact, kind of based on stuff that's happened to me in the biotech industry, uh, being condescended to and, you know, sabotaged. Um, and I hated that at the time, but um, it's kind of delightful to see it on the page where, you know, you know that this is fiction, or at least it gives the appearance of being <laughs> fiction. You can do whatever um, you want to that character. That's the best yeah. part. Ooh, we give it to him, don't we? Um, <laughs> no spoilers there, but he does not have a fun time during this book. Can you um, uh, give I, our, our listeners just kind of a background on who he is real quick? Oh, of course. That would be helpful. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, pretty good idea. So at, the, at the beginning of the book, uh, this is uh, there are two perspectives, uh, two uh, perspective characters. There's Josette and uh, Burnett. And at the beginning of the book, while uh, Josette is recovering from injuries uh, in combat. Uh, Burnett has run out of money and is trying to send a telegraph to his mom to get more. Uh, and he barely he has, has enough money for that, I might add. Yeah, yeah, he's right on the edge of being a destitute aristocrat. Um, and he has absolutely no professional or survival skills to speak of. He has been raised in a very coddled environment. Uh, he has no respect for anyone that is not part of the aristocracy and particularly not um, a plucky airship captain. <laughs> uh, and he has been sent aboard her airship by his uncle uh, to spy on her because he needs the money. Uh, he's being paid for this, and it's pretty much the only way he can stay in booze, women, and cards. Huh. Uh, yeah, he's... He called home to mommy <laughs> for money. Yeah, literally, we find him... I know a in... lot of people like that. Yeah. <laughs> we find him in the middle of that second chapter, waking up, rolling out of bed because the snoring of his previous night's love mate is keeping him awake, he rolls out buck naked, puts on his clothes, tosses a, uh, was it a lira? He, he tosses on the pillow and walks yeah. out and goes, 
crap, I'm broke. Goes down and tries to basically hail a cab. He goes for a a carriage, but the battle has caused so many wounded. Unfortunately, there's a war on. Yeah, so they're used for that, and he can't be bothered to walk the three blocks to go send the telegram. three blocks? It's three blocks in the mud, and he's pissed off that it makes his shoes all gnarly. I mean, he has such nice shoes, though. <laughs> you know, you gotta you gotta have sympathy and there's, for the there's poor a, guy. You do have an unhealthy love for this guy. <laughs> I do. I really do. <laughs> All right, I need to read more than the first two chapters. Yes, it's 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 so so much fun. So I, I love the uh, the comments that he made about how dare there be a war on it makes it so inconvenient for all these other people. <laughs> Your one word one line jabs are just perfectly placed. I have to applaud you on that. Um, was there? Let me ask you: Was there anything in your? Because you're you're not a, necessarily a full-time writer you work in the biotech industry that's correct um, yeah. working on human gene expression by the way awesome amazing so uh-huh. you're an incredibly educated woman uh working in the science uh industry what could you say from stem i guess you could say from the stem technology sets that may have influenced some of your writing in this uh, I think to to a large degree, uh, to a large degree, I'm stalling on this question <laughs> for time. Because honestly, uh, I love the illustrations that you have. So obviously the technology and engineering background that comes from science, you thought a lot about the design of this ship. When people get yeah. this book, the drawings in there of the ship itself are just gorgeous. So obviously you've thought about this. Was there... And, and, and most of the credit... For that goes to the tour art department, of course. But um, I, I definitely did put uh, a lot of time into getting everything right, uh, thinking about where things would be on the ship and why they would be there on the ship, so that you know when the time comes to blow that thing up, um, <laughs> you know I know standing next to it first of all, um, you know, and I know what effect it has on on the functioning of the ship. And this does kind of go back to my background uh, in biotech. I've been working on uh, diagnostic systems and and uh, DNA synthesis for about the last uh, ten years, and that does involve a lot. Excuse me. Of working out the chains of particular assays and molecular reactions, seeing how they all fit into each other, and drawing diagrams uh, about it to help other people understand that. So making sense of the universe, if you will. Making sense, yeah, making sense of of crap that our brains were never built to understand. (laughs) That our, our dumb ape brains... (laughs) <laughs> that were made to throw rocks and uh, and scuttle around uh, under the canopy just were not are not capable of really fathoming without uh, quite a bit of of work. I'm just sad. I got lost when she said the ship blows up. It's like yeah. every Star Trek movie ever. The ship blows up, it crash lands. And well, we start I the... I a little bit we, we start the book, and she's waking up from a, from what we understand, a really hard crash landing. That's where we find our... That's where we find our protagonist in our first paragraph. These ships aren't safe. <laughs> No, no, they absolutely are not. No yet, sensible person would ever go up in one. And yet they're made of wood, too, so, yeah. you know. All right. Well, that's what you get when you're in an air ship. <laughs> not a starship, because then you just die. <laughs> <Then> you just... <laughs> that's even 
even worse. Yeah, I mean, just <laughs> instant freeze. Even step outside exactly. Okay, so um, Daniel was asking me earlier the money. You've got uh, what? Gold, uh, silver rivals, dinars, liras. That's is that kind of Greek uh, money that is or a, Medi- a lot of Mediterranean? Mediterranean, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, and for the yeah. for the geeks out there, I don't even know if you did this, but judging by your science background, you did. Based on the first two chapters, I figured out from the Telegraph that twenty dinar is one silver rival. I'm just throwing that out there. Oh, you've worked out the exchanges. Yeah, they. Um, I did work those out, and they do stay consistent throughout the book. But I like, don't think. Yeah, I don't think I ever list them outright. Kudos, though. Yeah. For, well, you figure. Uh, look at that. Really you can start your own exchange company in this, in this world. <laughs> And I love how they communicate with Telegraph. People are thinking, Steampunk and Telegraph? What is this nonsense? No, the semaphore stations really had a throwback for me to, um, uh, oh, uh, oh, what was that book? The, the On the Discworld series where, oh, yeah, yes. what, it wasn't Color of Magic. It was the other one where it was the mail carry service thing. Geeks know what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> I can't remember. Going what, Postal. Going Postal, That's thank you, yes. Yeah, the clack system they're competing with. Yeah, yeah that really That's reminds me. That's one of my favorites uh, of, the, uh, of the Discworld books, actually. She knows the Discworld! <laughs> <laughs> Wes is happy. I, I have ha- most of it on my shelf. You can't see it because of the uh, acoustic foam. But yeah. I, I, have both of the, uh, I have both of the movies, so that, or oh, well, all four, I really should say, including Hogfather and uh, all the other but all that aside, congratulations on this book. This is your first novel. This is my well, this is my debut novel. Debut. Okay. Uh, she has yeah. others. My on the first way. novel uh, will, with any luck, never be found <laughs> by the world. It is not good. Normally, the first one isn't. I, I've been there. No. Yeah. Exactly. No. Someone recently told me that it's like you know the first batch of pancakes. It's a you know it's never going to come out right. <laughs> Well, thank you again for coming on the show. This book looks amazing. Uh, the Guns Above. But before we do that, the book comes out May 2nd. Yes. So, That's everyone, it's going to be out on hardcover. Is it going to be out on audiobook or ebook? Uh, it is on Kindle. Okay. Uh, oh, nice. And I think Nook right now. Uh, we don't have uh, audiobook plans right now. If you want an audiobook, buy the Buy the books. Uh, the buy, the books. buy the books. The buy the books. Buy them. Buy them. Yeah. Buy the book so we can get an awesome uh, audiobook because this would be a fantastic audio. Oh, yeah. A dramatization of this could oh, be just. Graphic audio. Oh, dude. Oh, oh that'd be amazing. Get the right narrator on yeah. that. Now you can, pre- you can create the airship. That's your part. You can pre order this on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, IndieBound, and Books a Million. Are you going to, where can our listeners find you? I mean, is so are they going to be at any. We're in the uh, California Bay Area. Okay. On May the 6th, I will be at Borderlands Books in the Mission in San Francisco at 3 p.m. And I'm going to be doing a reading along with Megan O'Keefe. Uh, and then on, I need to look up the dates. She's looking <laughs> them up, folks, because that's <sighs> how awesome this is. You got to go. <laughs> <laughs> and then on May 7th, uh, I will be at SF in SF at 
the American Bookbinders Museum, which is also in the Mission District. And I'll be there with uh, Ellen Cleggies and David D. Levine, who is also an amazing uh, steampunk writer. He wrote uh, Arabella of Mars, and his book, uh, I think I believe it's called The Battle of Venus, is coming out soon. And he is a fantastic writer. You should check him out, too. Okay. You can also find her on Twitter uh, at according to the number two Robin, and uh-huh. then Robin Bendis writing pun on Facebook. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Robin. I'm looking forward to getting my hands on this book. Literally pre-ordered it after I read the first two chapters, and it's it's exciting. It's very hard for me to get into. Really, the only novels I've ever really read since I was a kid that I liked are novelized comic books. But this this kind of just goes with it. I appreciate the oh, writing and the best I compliment a writer can get. I, I look forward to it. And kudos on coming up with all the names, not just of the characters, but the places. They're just out there spellings. You'll have to get the book to understand what I'm talking about. But you got Why like you try pronouncing them. You got Brandheim, Garnia. Uh, a lot of the credit for that goes to my wonderful editor, Diana Foe, at Tor. Um, I, I would call that about a 50-50 effort right there. She's amazing. Okay. Wait a minute. You can pronounce those, but you can't pronounce airship? <laughs> really? Oh. Uh, well, you know, I sh- again, thank you. Um, definitely, we'd love to have you come back on the show when the rest of the series comes out or any other projects you have coming out. It's been a pleasure and a joy. Uh, I haven't laughed this much in a while. Uh, <laughs> but everyone, please uh, go out, check this book out. It has a stunning cover. Amazing. Oh, the artwork is awesome. Tommy Arnold at Tour does the most amazing covers. And it's beautiful. We were so lucky to get him. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then, you know, again, it's her debut novel. But just realize there's going to be more awesomeness like this coming out. Exactly. So you got to buy it. Yep. The Airship Signal Series. Yep. Yeah. So, with that said, everyone, uh, we'll catch you next time. Thanks. Thank you so much. It's morphin' time.